we're back with Paul Forbes. We are thrilled to have Paul back on the podcast. It is such an exciting time, I think, Paul, for both you and I. Amazing journey. Yes, ma'am. And we want to talk today about defining us and talk about how the film started Mm -hmm. and how what has become a much larger initiative around defining us started with an idea, with a conversation between you and I. And I think it's going to be really fun today because what we want to do is model a little bit what it means to have a critically conscious conversation and how you can have those conversations in a way that brings more joy, depth, interest, freedom to your life. And really at its core, that's what the film is about. So through this podcast, I want to sort of set up the audience. We're going to give you a little bit of a backstory on this for both Paul and I and how we got here today. And we're also going to ask each other some real questions about what went on along the way and how to really develop understanding and meaning, seek to understand before trying to be understood and how you do that, particularly for people that And I will talk about it from the white community here for a second. I think there is a struggle. I think there is often a hope and a desire to be better at this, but it's tricky and people are busy. And particularly after COVID, they're really distracted and there's a lot of weight in the air, right? And so I think we want to walk down that road. So We are going to be, Paul and I, interviewing each other, and we are going to play off that process. So I'm turning the mic over to you, Paul. Well, first of all, always good to be with you, Stacey. Again, the folks will hear about the journey and some of the background, but it's always, it's been interesting that it was very quickly how I felt comfortable having conversations with you, Um, a person I didn't know, just met, coming from a transactional point of view in terms of here's a vendor, someone who does this, how does that work with this contract and this, well, the scope of work that we put together, let's see it happen. And, you know, I also know how I am and I try to have an interactional relationship with any vendor, any partner I have, right? So that it wasn't difficult, but it was interesting because there was a lot of videography and capturing, memorializing things that were said while we were having conversations that many people speak about as difficult, tough, courageous conversations. Like, I, so I get it, like, like the space that we're going to be in. But I think that, um, again, as you said, as I see this journey of where we are now, of, of where we stand, um, as I reflect, I see how important it was for us to go through that process And I also see how it can benefit for others to think about what journey they are on, right? And so I think telling our story is going to be just talking to each other because that's what we've done. We've all been able to, whatever hour, whether it was in the evening, whether it was weekend, whether it was morning, in between meetings, wherever it was, it was like, let's talk about this because I knew that conversation would help with the understanding of the project and what would be needed for what we were saying the outcome at that time was a five minute clip, a three minute clip, a four minute clip. It seemed like a short when you saw the final product, but there was so much more behind it that led to that. And I think that's where this is an amazing 
an intriguing and compelling story, specifically with you and I and how we've gotten to where we are to the point that we're about to see a documentary be released. So, right. Like Crazy. you, I'm very excited. Yeah, yeah. So, Paul, let's fill everybody in on how this got started. So tell us a little bit about the Expanded Success Initiative. The Expanded Success Initiative is the educational component of the Young Men's Initiative here in New York City that started back in, well, was announced in 2011 under former Mayor Bloomberg to be part of the Young Men's Initiative, right? So Young Men's Initiative, at the time, the largest public-private partnership focused on improving outcomes for Black and Latino young men. And so you had the city of New York invest in funds. You had Bloomberg Philanthropy invest in private funds. And you had Open Society, George Soros's um, foundation invested. And so for a pot of $127 million that would focus on improving outcomes for Black Latino young men in health, justice, employment, and education. I was blessed to be selected to lead the educational component, ESI, Expanded Success Initiative, which was focused on improving the number of Black and Latino young men who graduate from high school, college, and career ready. And at the end of 2011, went through an interview process. Officially in February of 2012, I was selected to be the senior director of this initiative. Well, we work with 40 high schools and they'll be looking at again, their youngsters in general, but specifically looking at their young men. And one of the things that I said to my supervisor early on, Sean Dove is from the Campaign for Black Male Achievement, which was part of the Open Society Foundation. Him and his team was leading the focus with ESI, from open society. And we talked about the need to memorialize and capture the work, the process, and I emphasize the stories. For me, um, it was important for us to capture the stories. My parents are West Indian. We come from an oral tradition, telling stories. Like, you know, I, I, when I talked to my mom and she would talk about um, recipes when she's cooking, she didn't have a recipe book. It was always like a dash of this, a dash. It was, it was yeah, like, you know, right. not as, yeah. you know, and, and so again, in, especially the Black community, we know about that, a dash of this, dash of this. And so oral tradition is, is important. And But I said, you know, we got to hear these stories, not just of the work that's being done, but of our young people. And so, uh, you know, working in New York City and the process, you have to put out a bid, as you said, the RFP for this work, memorializing the videography piece, creating a website. I had a vision for a website that would become a hub with place for the schools, the 40 high schools to share what they were learning on in the process. And not just for those to share in a closed group, but also we would be able to open it up for any other high school in New York City and even across the country would be able to come in and see. And so that was the impetus. And the idea was, let's see and hear what response we'll get from people. Do they get what we're saying? There was something compelling about the organization that you were leading with the idea of the storytelling. So I'd say, you know, that was a key piece for me of not just memorializing and being a good videographer, 
but how do they tell stories? And based on what I remember reading and being told by folks on my team of what, how they assessed, I connected with CWK, connect with kids, and that's the beginning of this process. Yeah, and I think for us, you know, the power of story has always been a part of our history. So as you know, Paul, I come out of media, I come out of journalism, I've been always involved in storytelling from the broadcast angle on the on the video side. And our mission is the power of media and the promise of education to change lives through real stories about real issues, real kids. So I think there was that connection and, and you knew what you wanted. But yeah, so off we went and you started to work with us. But I, I want to get into some of the interesting parts and some of the, <laughs> the, the moments, right? Yeah. Um, and we got involved, you know, we came up, I think it was initially for about a month and basically, you know, rented apartments and lived in the city and, and did what we needed to do and brought in local videographers and that sort of stuff. And we had just gotten started. And I remember I was standing on the NYU campus and my daughter was involved right. and our son was involved because they work with our company, which made it even get more interesting in terms of what they were learning as they move through this process too yes. with us. And I was standing on NYU with my daughter because I think I'd come out of a meeting with David Kirkland, if I remember right. And I got a phone call from Richard Haynes, who's in the documentary. And he said, you know, we got a little bit of an issue here. Do you remember this, Paul? I don't know if you remember. I remember. I remember. Yeah. And you got on the phone and I said, okay, what's happening? And and you started to sort of teach me a little bit about where we needed to be going in this and what we yeah. were capturing, we're not capturing. And I want people to hear this. Yeah. I'm going to talk about a white audience here for just a minute, but I want people to hear this. You don't know what you don't know. That's right. I mean, you really don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And there has to be an openness and a curiosity on both sides that's right to know more that's right and to know it in a different way and that's why stories work because i want you to talk a little bit about that conversation and why yeah, we had to yeah. have it but why story works and and i think the only reason i was open to receive it to be honest with you was not because i'm some you know enlightened person at that you know what i mean I, but yeah. because i come out of journalism and so out of journalism when you're telling stories I'm curious. Yeah. And story allows you to cut through a lot of the preconceived notions if you're just listening to somebody and trying to understand because yeah. you got to tell their story. That's right. right? That's yeah. Right. So you made that, we made that phone call. We all three got on the phone. I remember sitting there and thinking to myself, <laughs> I got to get this right or we're going to lose right. this deal. <laughs> I, right. mean, I, I wish it was more altruistic than that at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I got to get this right. And he's telling me I'm not getting it right. So tell me, so let's talk a little bit. You no, know, I, I, I remember that. So I am, like I said, I'm, I'm been very passionate about yes. this work and, you know, it was interesting coming in to do this work. When it first came out, there was a lot of conversations in New York city and maybe outside of New York city, but I know in New York city and within the department of education of people wondering why at the so close to the end of a 12 year term, was this mayor bringing out something like the Young Men's Initiative? People wondered what was behind it. Was there an agenda? There was people that was concerned or questioning what was the agenda. And even when I got the position, 
I remember someone who I respected saying to me, Paul, why are you leaving the role that you're in? Don't you know this isn't going to work? People have tried doing this kind of work. Basically said I was foolish for making a decision to move from a safe position to one that's going to be just full of questions. and, And that was actually a motivating factor for me. But it also was interesting because there was additional burdens. Like, again, I'm a big guy, black, six, five, two. I mean, I'm a big man. And so I have big shoulders, but I knew those bur- that burden that was on me to think like, you're taking on a lot, but I also knew I was going to surround myself with people to support. I wasn't doing this alone, but there's a personal piece, right? As a black man, what that represents. I will also add my first time rolling out an official launch of ESI was on February 28th of 2012. On February 26th, we are gonna come to know about someone who we now know, not just in America, but around the world, Trayvon Martin was murdered in Florida. And so there's a lot going on there as we begin to get to where we are today, but there was a lot in the world already, people feeling this and that. So I'm coming in and there's a lot on me. So when we had spoken, you had gotten the contract. And I remember we had conversations about what we hope to see in the video, right. what we hope to capture, right. what we hope to see. And the first cut from the first event for a video that was sent to us, I'm just like, what? This isn't at all <laughs> what we spoke right. about, right? My thing is about, okay, I know the camera captured things, but the, the clip that we were going to take out, this doesn't reflect what we were looking at. And that's the conversation that occurred. And I remember you said, I'm coming down. I'm going to come. And we eventually set up a meeting that you actually met us at 333 7th Avenue. We met in a room, not even our main office because there was nothing going on. So we had to meet in another space there. And I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know because I was like, okay, I know we met before. We had all of this. And I remember you saying, you know what? That's on me. I was not involved. I was doing a, working on another project and so-and-so, not, not blaming, but yeah, the person right. who got it was not in the room with us when we had the initial conversation. And so you needed to convey something. But what you made clear was, yeah, if we didn't capture what you wanted, we need to do better. Now, again, as you just said, in your mind's eye, you might be thinking, I need to keep this contract. <laughs> I need to keep my reputation. Whether right. it's part of me, I'm saying, in my mind's eye, if you want to keep your contract, if you want to keep your exactly. relationship. So again, it's, it's, it's going on. We all have this thing playing on our yeah. mind's eye. But for me, I was like, we got to do right by our young people. And I want to make sure you understand what that looks like. But I also said, hey, I have an empathetic lens. I was like, okay, a mistake yeah. was made and didn't come through. Let's see what's going to happen. And I remember leaving that space going, I want to see what's... But it was important that you came, that you said you are the most important client to me right now. I need right. to be there and let's talk about it. And you took that responsibility because you heard not, it wasn't your intention and the impact. All of that played out for me of why I said, okay, let's see. I feel comfortable moving forward to see what's going to come. All right, let me ask you this. So now we're going to get into it a little bit. First of all, before I get into this, I want to say what's interesting about that, which we'll get to later is editorial matters. So when we talk about the power of media, whoever is actually telling the story for someone, they're doing it through a lens. That's right. 
and they are even filming through a lens. That's right. That's right. They're not necessarily picking up something, which is why I wanted to come down there. I'm like, okay, That's what did right. the, what what did my crew get? Because we use a lot of freelance crews, and yep, that sort yep, of stuff. Yep. What did the crew get? What what do we have here? Are we getting at the meat of the story? Because what the meat of the story is for me, right, is not necessarily what you are wanting to show. Because there's another story within right. the story. There's always multiple stories going on in a room. Yes, ma'am. And I think that that is what we see in this country today is who's running those newsrooms, who uh -huh. are making the editorial decisions, yeah. who are the executive producers, what is their mission, what story do they want you to see? My thing is I also bring in this idea of our own biases. Like you said, as you said, you right. have your own um, conceived notions and ideas already coming in. We're human beings, right? And that's important right. for folks to understand I didn't have that language as yet when we first met, and right. but I did know, I was like, okay, we're missing something here. I better understand, again, as you said, even the, the person, the camera person and what they're capturing, their own biases are playing out, even as they're using videography and they're using it. Yes, I get it. But like you said, did we capture the story? Are we seeing where the story behind the story and affects and, and what this means? And... Yes, there is definitely agendas and there's ideas that's there, but I also know the biases that are subconscious that you don't even realize that they're there. Well, that's the thing. You, if you're not in tune with what you're, the person you're talking to in the interviewer, you're not hearing them. You don't even see that you've missed the story. That's right. That's right. As the person doing the interviewing, as the journalist, as the one, the producer who's selecting what right. sound bites we're using and what sound bites we're it's not. It's not even malicious, right? right? You're not saying this was no, it's not intentional. That, that's you the beautiful part of this. Right. Well, I'm yeah. going to say the beautiful part, it's the interesting part that it's not malicious yeah. and that's not intentional. Right. It's mm -mm. there, but yes. So agreed. Absolutely. So Paul, were you concerned and were is your team concerned? Because we're an all white crew at this point, right? So right. we're in New York, right. we're in a project around young ninth and 10th grade black and Latino boys we are supposed to be documenting that, which absolutely says documentary, tell this story in short yep. form, right? We're doing shorts, but we have to go in and really, really show, you know, the story. And so were you, con I mean, we're all yep. white, you're yep. all black and Latino. Were yep. you concerned? Was that, a, that an issue for you? And That's your an interesting question. So is there questions or doubts where, again, First, you're saying, is this organization, this group able to do it? And then in there, you're, in your mind, you're like, oh, well, they're all white. They're all right. people that may not know the lived experience. Is this why I got the results that I got? And so I, I don't know how conscious that was for me, as opposed to us thinking, this is an organization. They didn't get it right immediately. But right. for me, given the grace of saying, but this is what I would do with any organization or any group. I got to make sure maybe I wasn't clear. Maybe they didn't come through. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. In hindsight, maybe some of those questions came up in my head. I, mean, I was just like, what is this? Like, no. So I don't know, again, for me, and again, I work together collaboratively, so it's not even a, um, coming down hard. But this was so important to me. I was like, we have to tell this story because there's so many who don't know the story. And they have their own ideas. And because I knew about the counter narrative, that was important to me. So I don't know how much that played out for me um, as opposed to just saying, we just didn't get it 
Right, right. At this moment, mm -hmm. let's see. So for me, it was really of what do we see next? That was going to be, for me, the telltale sign of where this relationship, this partnership was going to go one way or the other. If it didn't come through in the next one, I was like, okay, it's because they just can't get it or don't see it. And then this may not be the best fit. So that's where I was at that moment. And Paul, you know, it's so interesting. And again, I want to tie back to the journey itself of any two people that are going through this that have similarities in their hearts, but differences. And also, I want to say that you really get to know somebody when you work with them. Yes, and that is why if you're working on a team and you're trying to reach a common goal, we all know this. I mean, this is this isn't, you know, any kind of epiphany, but you get to know somebody in a different way when you're yeah, working yeah. with them and you're trying to achieve the same objective. Yeah, I can't just hang it with my team. I got to get into it in order to be able to direct the team to tell the story correctly. I have to understand the work. Yeah because I'm not going to be able to make the right editorial selections right. And, right. and all of that and approve different cuts if I, A, wasn't there and I'm not going to be able to be there every single time. Right. And right. B, I don't know the work. And that's what began the journey for me. That is so not, powerful. Yeah, that's so yeah. powerful you say, because I believe, I think you're spot on because I saw that quickly. I mean, that was the thing, like I said, it wasn't just you coming down as a CEO or the head mm -hmm. of or the founder of, I could see a true inquiry stance. I could see a curiosity mm -hmm. stance. And really there was a message that you conveyed in that meeting mm -hmm. where it could have been pretty tense, right? It was like, this, right. is, <laughs> you, 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 this is your team. This is your yeah. work. And you want to be able to justify, but you weren't even, you were explaining why this might've been, but you made it clear was, I need to understand you understand what this work is and that message was conveyed and that was important and knowing as you said that you couldn't be there for every session but what, what you were saying was i need to be able to convey that message to my team and hold that i would review as you said i remember you thinking saying mm -hmm. i will make sure i review the cuts before it gets to you so now i can hold accountability piece and say wait a minute yeah. And I think that that was, like I said, the beginning of a journey because I really didn't know at that point. I mean, we've always done social and emotional learning. We have done um, work around mental health, um, social issues. That's always been something for us, but it wasn't the times that we're in right now. It wasn't as front and center. It wasn't the disruption to the level that it's going on right now in order for the reorder to happen, which is what I believe yeah. is going on in the world right now. That wasn't going on. So for me, I was like most people and I was, you know, I was interested and I wanted to know more. And it was part of what we were doing from a business, but I wasn't into it in a way that I really understood and trying to capture the stories mm -hmm. and do it well. Then you started to sort of lead me in a direction which is I came to your critically conscious conversation right. groups. I came to those ESI groups where you were yes. bringing in all the staff members. I, I sat in the audience. I wasn't filming. So it allowed me That's to, right. That's right. to me hear it and listen to it and be a part of it. And then I started meeting the kids. That's right. And um, really getting to know those kids and being on the ground every day and being around. And, you know, then you just start to sort of, pick it up and internalize it but it's slow sure right? it's, it's the, the process and the journey I, I you know I, I think that's what 
as I've been reflecting so much on my journey and who has been in the spaces with me, as I've been thinking about, again, this documentary and how it's come to be, I just, I, I think about what you just stated. There were times when you, you were showing up now, right? You were able to like, right. I'm going to come into town. You're having this when, or oh, every other week you have this, not just coming as a person who is looking through the lens or being a producer and all that's your role. You're, you're the owner, right. all these kind of stuff, you know, but you would sit and you would participate um, passively, actively talking to me afterwards or before what's the emphasis for this? Where do you finding out where we wanted to capture things? But what was always really interesting and what I've always said when I speak about you and the organization, CWK and the work is after that incident, I never, I mean, there might have been a tweak here or there, hey, put this spelling in, the yeah. word, or the, yeah. but the content and the spirit, I never got a clip. It almost got too easy. I had to be careful because I was like, oh, it's done. All right, move on. Because it was point on, you captured, and I felt... That was, I think, the, for me, the beauty of this is that I'm like, okay, Camille, just she would go through and just make sure again the spellings were named, the words were correct, that we had the right caption. There might be a few things that we might want to talk about, but the spirit and the essence was being captured, and so I felt very comfortable. And I have to add, to your credit, because you wanted to learn more, you started seeing something. I think you had that vision that something special was here. And you just said, hey, Paul, this isn't even part of the contract per se. I just want to go and hear from or capture some information from some of the schools and some of this. Again, maybe in your minds, I'm even thinking, oh, this might be stuff I could use later on. But I truly saw the spirit in you of saying, once you know better, you do better, right? That's the adage, right? And it was something about that I was saying, I want to hear. And I think that's where the connections with the young people and some of our communities, I got very comfortable knowing that the crew from CWK or Stacy was coming in to speak to staff or students and stuff. And so that was part of the work we were doing. As we said, we wanted to capture student voice intentionally. We wanted to make sure we had that. You got to see how the sausage is made is if you're going to do it well, right? Program. You know? Yeah. But, you know, Paul, I'm going to flip it back to you. And I appreciate, you know, this conversation because it really is interesting to hear what was going on in the heart and mind of each of us as we're moving through it. And what I would say to you, the other piece for me was, I think the reason I was willing to do those things and wanted to do them to some degree and could do them and made it a priority is because of you. And what I mean by that is you always were available, accessible. I mean, a lot of times we're working with a client, you know, again, it's in a more structured environment. Mm -hmm. There is a heart behind this work that is personal, that is very personal. And so when that, when that happens and you know that about somebody, that relationship can happen much, much more quickly, Yeah. right? Because there's a deeper intention of it not just being about, hey, we want to get a video. I mean, we do that too. You know, hey, we just want to get a video and we want to promote yeah. such and such. That's a very different kind of thing. But this was different for us. This was crazy different. And I remember being in the schools and hearing from principals because we're doing interviews and talking to kids. And that's where it all really started because I kept thinking, wow, people don't know this is going on. That's right. Right. I mean, I would come to you and I'd say, Paul, no, yep. a lot of people don't know this is going on. All I mean, I don't know what is going on in New York, but <laughs> nobody sees these kids. This is not what's leading the news. That's right. 
and and what the heck yeah i'm not seeing any of the people in these hallways that i see on the news yeah right yeah. any i mean are the stories i mean not that they don't exist but they exist everywhere right so but it's just was really lopsided and upside down and people who did not know each other coming together in a space where we now were not just again like i said not transactional relationship but interactional right. relationship right. and that's so important for this work that we are doing with equity and and these conversations that we have about race privilege power what does that mean i can't express how much gratitude i've had for this journey not just the product that we've seen but also the relationships that have come out of it that has just made this work the work is hard enough it's made that much easier when we can have something like this and how we're capturing and telling the story. I think this is really a good part here to kind of turn to the documentary, Paul, because we did start to talk and I kept saying, you know, this this just, this shouldn't be, right? I mean, we, we need to do something. Yeah. And what we know how to do is make a documentary, right? <laughs> so, um, so maybe we start there. We need to do something yeah. to start to show a different counter narrative around young men of color because it's just not truth you know there's so many kids out there they're just kids you know they they want so much to to succeed these are people that are as darion said to me in the podcast the other day working twice as hard for half as much half right as much. and yeah. and are actually interestingly motivated and willing to do it even when that's they right. shouldn't have to that's right that's right, right. And with supportive families behind them, pushing them to do it. Correct. Like you said, you don't know what you don't know, right? But as you would come, and I remember, again, repeatedly you would say, Paul, y'all are doing some stuff here. And there's so many places I go to other districts, and they're asking me the question, like, what should we do with mm -hmm. this group? How should we work with? And he was saying, y'all got to get your story out there. And as you said, you came with a lens of saying... Yeah, we can talk about the ESI story, and that's great, but there's so many more. As big as New York City is, there's so many more that would benefit from this. ESI, New York City, this is, yes, this is happening here. Right. This is also happening in other places, and it's also hap not happening in other places. And they're asking how. So the question is, how do we become, not just looking at it as being citizens of New York City, but almost citizens of the country and, and citizens of the world, right? And that becomes, again, that humanity piece, right? Because even though I may not know my brother or sister, folks in other parts of the country, right. they're going through similar things. You start hearing the story yeah. going, yes, that's a shared experience, but it's your lived experience. And what does that mean? And how do I, and how do I let someone else know that you're going through this? But understand there's others. So you're not alone in this. You're not alone. And there's things that could be done and have been done. And so I think, you know, for me, when we just talk about how the documentary came to be, I think there was something about your, me constantly hearing in my head what you were saying about folks got to hear this. And not even me taking a, an ego thing of saying, yeah, ESI. But yeah, yes. if we have this, I mean, I was doing conferences. You wanted to come to one of the conferences and follow right. me around. So I was sharing and hearing from other people, but it was that message that you had and that, that little brain worm in my head of what you had kept saying, other people need to see this. And also, there's other places that are doing some things. So it'd be great if we could cross-pollinate and we could. And I think that's where, again, it was important that we took the next step of saying, not even that we were changing things, but realizing 
that the change agents that we are, that the world that we want to see, it was incumbent on us to be saying, we are open, we're going to be vulnerable, we're going to learn with and from each other. And I think, again, all of that um, was so helpful in seeing not just the purpose of ESI in New York City, but what this can mean across a nation and what we could adapt and adopt from other parts. That was a major role that you played for me in seeing that. Um, otherwise, I probably would have been pretty bubbled in the sense of people come and see and hear what we are doing. Right, right. And not thinking about as much about what else is out there and how, not just how ESI can be replicated, because it's not about replicating ESI, it's about the ethos, the mindset, and the attitude. And I think that's where, again, it's been so important of our relationship of how we've been for each other. I'm just sitting here listening. I'm thinking to myself, you know, it was reciprocal. Yes. Because it's almost like you invited us in. You invited us to the dinner and gave us the opportunity to have an experience over a period of time. I don't mean one time. This is repetitive behavior, right? This is, this is building relationships or something that, you know, grow, but you gave us the opportunity to come in and have an experience. And that's the beauty of creativity too, of a creative experience. And I would love to say that I had read these books and I was enraptured and I wanted, you know, what, what all the things I guess people think they have to do. Right. Um, but it was mostly curiosity. Yeah. It was mostly a willingness to sort of be open and curious and to try to tell a good story. Right. And that's why, again, I go back to Patrick's quote, you know, if you just put people around a table and where we really saw this, Paul, was in the advisory board, because mm-hmm. if you just put people around a table and you say, I'm going to try to get something done together, do something well together, is that you can really start to have these organic conversations and then you get more comfortable with it. Correct. You get more comfortable with it. And, and I can call you now and say, you know, Paul, I'm not sure this is going to work. Right. Tell me if I'm saying something I shouldn't be saying. That's right. Right? (laughs) I do it. You know, how's this going to work? You know, what's the impact going to be? You know, you don't know. Right. So I think we learned as we went through the process, we formed an advisory board to try to get some other people in on the conversation that Mm -hmm. all happened through you. Uh, Quite frankly, it was your willingness as we built this bridge to take me into those places. And that speed of trust could happen a whole lot faster because you were willing to take that risk. Right. And that's critical too. I just wonder if you'd talk about that. I mean, that's really critical because that had to have been a little, I mean, if we hadn't had the relationship, there's no way you're calling Todd, you know, you're saying, Hey, David, I want you to meet this person. Yeah. 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 I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, and, and I had to be aware of that as I was asking people to be open and vulnerable in spaces, whether it was the the critical and courageous conversations, whether it's going to be the ESI meetings, whether I'm saying I'm not going to be at the school, but I'm sending a crew um, up to a school. And so I want to make sure that there's not harm and that students, young people, specifically our young men aren't being used um, for right. something else. That's all important. I mean, again, and if you're a human being, I mean, again, that's part of mm-hmm. our roles as an administrator, as teachers and stuff. So that's part of what we do. And with that, I had to have an empathetic lens and I had to have an open heart, right? I, we kind of, we're kind of we're talking about this over and over and people might think this is 
okay, but it's true and it's real. Yeah, and, it's and, true. And, and, and it's something I need to be in a place where I know that we're not being taken advantage of. Again, I just think of how many events and activities, whether it's a college fair, whether it's an event at Columbia where these young people are sharing their stories mm-hmm. about their journey. Like this is a lot, right? And it became it just a, a point where, uh, like I said, it was like, yeah, we're on camera, we're being interviewed. Like, like, it wasn't even a question. It, was, it became just part of, and that's the speed of trust. And it's not just for me, because I also have to build that reputation when I say to folks at NYU, oh, we're going to have them at a CCER session. Or right. oh, again, these are people, again, that have no connection necessarily to the world and the ecosystem that have been created, but they know me, they know the reputation, and I have to be honest and be authentic with them as well. So this isn't just about you, but it's me now taking what I have developed, the social capital, the whole idea of the relationship that I have where I can say, trust me, right. we're sending a group here to do this. This isn't just about them capturing, but they want to know the story. They want So that gives them the permission to say, okay, be open and be honest. They're not using this to then run out to a newspaper and say, oh, this is that. All of that is so important. It's important to me because I'm being vulnerable to that extent that I'm putting others in that situation and I'm going, no, it's not even a, it's not a, it's not a problem. It never, it, I gotta say, it didn't even enter my mind's eyes when I'm doing that because I already built so much just emotional equity with you and your team that it just didn't even see, like, I'm like, yes, this is what we do. But again, it didn't happen overnight. As you said, this isn't people want to well, think like, Oh, boom, boom, boom. No folks. There's a journey. It's a journey. And you'd be willing to be the well, and I think that's true, Paul, because I was just going to, I was going to say, what starts to happen to you? You talk about the trust starts to evolve. On my side, the humility starts to evolve. Mm, mm. So the more that you get to know someone and you get to know their story, particularly if you've not lived it, you start to find places that you connect. So when people would ask me about what's your deal, like Bennett, I would have, which was a great question, right? (laughs) Um, And I get it because of where he sits. At first I was like, what do you mean? What's my deal? And that was very early on, honestly. But what happens to you is you start to internally without you even knowing it, when you form a relationship with somebody is you start to find these similarities. And what I think really was interesting for me, and I don't want to get into the whole thing, but I, the kids I could relate to on a completely different level because all of us have remember. Yeah. All of us have moments. And there's certain things in my childhood that I could really feel when mm-hmm. I saw them mm-hmm. or when I mm-hmm. talked to them. Yeah. And it was that caring, which is the whole, you know, we started a company 20 years old about children. Because there's always been a real, real piece in my heart for children, because children where I could really connect was in the work I've done in the years of life, children don't have control. Mm -hmm. They are placed where they are placed. Mm -hmm. They don't get to pick their parents well. That's right. You know, they don't get to pick where they're born. Right. They're placed where they are placed and they are truly in their circumstances and they cannot get themselves out. Yeah. yeah. They don't have that skill set, you know. And so 
I started to tap in at that level. And I remember (laughs) just to show you how this works. I mean, I don't know if you remember this. I don't know if you did, but you were so graceful if you do remember it. But you took me to meet David Kirkland. It was you and I and David in the audience. And by this time, I was picking up on nuance pretty well. I was really watching what's happening here. And I was sitting with David. It was the first time I met him. And we were talking. And I noticed there was a shift in the conversation. And I walked out of that meeting. And I thought, what did I do? What what happened in that conversation? Something happened in that conversation. Hmm. I've never forgotten it. And I remember the conversation. And I figured out later that I had committed a pretty massive microaggression in that conversation. I didn't at that point even know what a microaggression, what I was doing wrong. Do you you see what I mean? But again, speed of trust with you, because I'm sure you heard it. I, I don't, you know, what I did is I was talking about a kid and I was talking about how articulate he was. Mm, mm. And I and I was attending a training with an implicit bias later with NIU, yeah, yeah. and they were talking about microaggressions articulate, and I'm like, life oh. goes off. <laughs> oh, that was-, <laughs> that was me. <laughs> and, and to David's credit, he shifted his body language, his nuance shifted, but he didn't say anything, and he kept going with the interview. Mm. And so again, it's interesting that you start to become more humble. You start to become even more curious. You start to realize that you don't know what you're saying and what you're doing and that you need to learn. And I think that again, because I was there with you and because that speed of trust and the risk you were willing to take was an interesting thing. So you all learn together, you all grow together, you move forward together. And there's a lot of grace in those moments. You know, and I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing that. I didn't even know all of that backstory and back, but what you just did was what I speak about again, especially in the work I've been doing now with implicit bias. Mm-hmm. I say it from both beginning and throughout. We have to be introspective and reflective, right? right? And that's something that we don't practice that enough of taking that time to be introspective and be reflective. And that's the mirror work. Many of us need a full-length mirror, not just a mirror. We need a full-length mirror. We, <laughs> we, have, we all need a full-length mirror. Ball, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Did I do that? Did this mean Oh, I did it again. I didn't mean to do that. So I'm a person. <laughs> what are you trying to say? I'm a, I'm a bad... No, it's not the binary good-bad. Mm-hmm. It's that we're human beings and we're going through this. Your behavior, your patterns, you were able to be reflective. You knew something was off. Yeah. You took time to think about that and your passion to continue to be a lifelong learner. Here you are in the training now. Oh my gosh. Now I know what that was. Oh, microaggression. Oh my gosh. For people of color, especially when all the time when you hear, oh, you're so articulate or you mm-hmm. speak so well right. Here, that as a black man, that can land in a way that you may not see as that you're like, women, I just complimented why? Why do you feel like you need to say that as opposed to other? Like you're saying, you are different, right? If you're willing to be, as you said, humble, that mm-hmm. humility to say, I'm willing to learn with and from you. We may always have to agree. Right. We don't have to be disagreeable, right? But how do we, again, see our humanity and respect one another 
in those spaces. And that's what's so important. So I just love hearing that. I really appreciate you saying that. And again, to be so vulnerable um, and transparent to do that, that's, that's important. That's what we got to see more of in the world that we are in today of just well, and, and that's the point, Paul. I mean, it's also the willingness to be educated, right? Because it wasn't, it wasn't like, Oh, well that shouldn't have upset somebody. It's, it's really about willing to be educated and be open and say, you know, we don't all see the world the same way. Cause we bring the lens of our experience with that's it. Right. You know, I mean, everybody's not having the same experience. That's right. And so I have to understand how somebody receives me and how what happens in that situation and vice versa. And the other thing is, is it's not the end of the world, right? It's okay to be a little bit uncomfortable. I will say I got out of there and I thought, (laughs) I'm not sure what it is. And I had somebody with me and I say, did you see me doing that? (laughs) And of course he didn't see it either because he's white. And so we weren't, you know what I mean? And it was, you know, so it's like, I don't, I don't really know. I, I didn't see that yet. I really had a conversation about it because I could feel it. Yeah. And what I'm saying is it's okay. It's It's okay okay to be a little uncomfortable. It's okay to do something that you're not sure is right. It's actually okay to look at somebody and say, yeah trying to understand. I don't want to be offensive. I'm trying to understand that your experience is different than mine. By the way, because now I want to get into the next piece of this and we'll start to wrap because this is just so fun. But um, but I want to get this idea of double consciousness Hmm. and double belonging, because as you move forward, you can start to get really comfortable with that because you're talking about a relationship between two people and you're just looking at somebody and saying, we're both human beings and we're trying to have this conversation and I got to hear you and you got to hear me. Mm -hmm. You do this every day, every day, all across the country. You do this over and over and over again. I remember when you looked at me at the ESI work and said, let me tell you something, we're shifting. It's about bias. It's about implicit bias. I'm throwing myself completely into that world. And we had a conversation about it. And you said, we're shifting. We can't handle all these other things. We're going to talk talk about the work behind the work. That's right. And you made a conscious decision to go down that road, because if we can't get there, we, we don't get there. That's right. I already know my labor has not been in vain. Personally, I know that, but I'm hoping that folks will see this, sit through this, take it and begin to think, what am I doing, local and personal? What am I doing to disrupt and dismantle the structures and system? What can I do? What have I been doing? What have I not been doing that I need to start to do? And we can go from there. Where do we go from here? Chaos or community? That's going to be for each one of us to ask that question and start to be the change that we want to see in the world. The ripple effect is huge if you will just start a conversation. That's right. Talk to your children, right? How often have I spoken to the Darions in my classroom or the right. angels in my classroom? How intentional have I been to not to speak to, speak with and learn from? Right. How intentional are we for their stories? There's so many rich stories there and you can learn so much if we would stop and become active listeners become active listeners say i am willing and i want to 
not just about what white people have to do. Yeah. It's what black and brown teachers have to do as well. Because sometimes yeah. we have our own preconceived notions and ideas because that's, that's the bias, right? So yeah. I think that, again, this is a powerful and hearing from our young people and letting them explain that this has been a difference. That school community, that building, that classroom, that's a major takeaway from me. And when people talk about the legacy of ESI, as Sean Dove said to me one time, he said, Paul, I love that you are not trying to leave a legacy, but you've been living your legacy. Yeah. And that for me is one of the greatest compliments that I could have. Right. I'm not saying, oh, I want to have a street named after me or this, that. It's going to be in the Jose's and the angels of the world who are going to tell their, their stories and say, I had someone who believed in me, who saw in me what I didn't see in myself. And who was willing to put that on there and say, I could be and I will be that difference maker. That's part of what I sit back and say, great. If the series that comes out of this in the subsequent um, sessions, out of this document, if that can help others to now go into a space and say, wow, I can do this. Within my sphere of influence, I can be a difference maker. Listen, if you're, if you're in this room, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're a thinking, breathing human being, you have implicit bias. And we're also going to assume, Stacy and I, we assume the best. I believe you're a good person with good intentions. But the research also tells us that being good is not good enough. And that's why we do the work behind the work and why we have to continue to work hard as we're doing the work. Thank you. Thank you. Such fun always to be with you. And I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Everybody out there, we appreciate you listening. And you can go to definingus.org and find out a whole lot more about the documentary and the resource guides. And there's a toolkit on the site. Lots and lots of resources there. Go to the educator network and the resources section. And you will see all kinds of books and information from all of the folks that are in the documentary and what they're recommending. So just lots of rich resources there. And we hope that you'll take that first step. Thanks so much.